your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 23rd edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we chat with Tasmanian, now West Australian, Jessica Wuchner, University of Queensland coach Michael Swan, and Moffatville Park's Angela Moritz. All that and more on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden, and thanks very much for joining us on the 23rd edition of the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. Before we get into the interviews, a reminder that coming up on Wednesday, July 22nd, is the AFL Women's Mini Draft. Now, both clubs, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs, were permitted to delist up to six players each. Now, we believe the delistings have occurred, but we have not been told as yet the names and numbers uh, of the delistings and how many spots will be available in this mini draft. So, uh, keep your eyes peeled to girlsplayfooty.com once we know you'll know and as well we're also doing a preview of some of the players that we think might be a possibility of being drafted make sure you check girlsplayfooty.com to keep up with that and uh, let us know your thoughts as well via our facebook page let's jump into our first interview with a young lady that's moved from tasmania to wa and soon will be moving to the usa to help spread the gospel of aussie rules over there with the uh, boston demons the woman's name is just Jessica Wuchner, and of course she plays for the Western Bulldogs in the AFL Women's Exhibition matches and currently plays for East Fremantle in the WAWFL. Jessica, thanks very much for joining us on the line and, and we should ask the question, uh, what led to the original move from Tasmania to WA? Basically, um, I achieved everything that I, I could possibly want to achieve in women's football in Tasmania, which is you know obviously a huge honour, but I really wanted to test myself and become a better footballer and a better leader and, and just a better all-round um, person. So I just decided to make the move to WA instead of Victoria um, due to the warm weather and, and it's all worked out really well. And what led you choosing uh, East Fremantle? Uh, honestly, I, um, I went to Titans first, but um, they sort of already had a strong enough side and they didn't... Uh, really need another player because um, a, a point system that we have over here, I had too many points being an interstate player. So um, after I was told that it would sort of be easier if I found uh, another club that would be able to sort of fit me in, um, I got onto Nikki Harwood and because um, I've known her for a, a few years and she said come down to uh, East Fremantle and, and I did and I'm very thankful that I did because it's a great club. And now, of course, you're playing there. How do you find the difference in football standard from Tasmania to WA? There is quite a huge um, uh, gap, I would say, between the two states. I'd, I'd probably say that the Tasmanian League sort of uh, around uh, reserves level here in WA. Um, sort of the top reserve sides would probably play well against the, the best sides over in Tassie. So the playing league, it, it is a huge jump, and it, and it was a really big shock to start with. But um, I sort of found my feet and I'm really enjoying the competitive level. Let's flash back to draft night. Did you have an inkling you were going to be picked up? Uh, honestly, I, I, I went in for the first two drafts and didn't get drafted. So come to the third draft, I sort of wasn't holding any hopes or any, any inklings in me. Um, but it was, a, it was a huge surprise and I was really, really happy about it, to be honest. And do you remember receiving that first call from Craig Stasevich? Um, I was like, who's this, who's this random person calling me? And um, 
he said it was Craig and um, we had a good chat and then he was over in WA for the youth girls so we got to actually meet up before um, I headed over to Melbourne as well. And that became handy. And, of course, uh, the, the Bulldogs, seeing the closest they have to Melbourne so far, only going down by those eight points. As a first-time player running out into the MCG, what is going through your mind? Does it actually hit you as soon as you come out of the race? Uh, it, it does. It does. As soon as you come out and you, and you see that big oval and, and all those chairs and just the atmosphere, even only having sort of five, 6,000 people there, it's still... Um, surreal considering you know in a club game over here you maybe get you know 100 people at a game so it was a really overwhelming experience but as soon as the whistle blows you just get down to business now if i'm correct you'll be playing in the uh hopefully in the next exhibition match at eddie had stadium uh before flying across to the usa um what feedback did craig give you uh, post your match for things for you to improve on uh for me it was just um he he was quite happy with my first game, um, being uh, being the first game out there playing for the Bulldogs, and he just said to keep working on, on you know, my fitness, my overall um, endurance, and just uh, little things like my strength over the ball, and, and just keep uh, leading up and, and doing my role off the half-forward flank. And, of course, as well, um, you played for the WA side, so uh, you had to put aside your Tasmanian loyalties there for a moment to play for WA. But um, how was it playing in that history-making game? I mean, this is the first time ever Victoria were knocked off. Yeah, it, it was really incredible. And I know it, it might sound wrong for me to say this uh, to all my Tasmanian people, but, you know, WA is my home at the moment. And um, I was really proud and really honoured to put on, on the Black Swan and... Um, it was genuinely um, one of the most amazing experiences of my life, being a part of um, of the team that knocks off the Vicks for the first time. And, of course, uh, in that side, a couple of players that haven't played in the exhibition matches, well, one has played in an exhibition match but didn't play in it last year that seem to be coming through the ranks. Just to know your thoughts on, on the likes of, uh, first of all, teammate Lise Frio and Caitlin Edwards and also uh, a WA teammate in uh, Sabrina frederick Traub. Yeah, um... Well, I'll go with uh, Sabrina first. Um, she's just a genuinely strong player, and I think that, um, you know, she is certainly someone who I think could get a look in um, for the draft just purely because she plays her role up forward so well and can go in the ruck. Um, I think that uh, the commentators were a bit harsh on her in the game, saying that um, Meg Hutchins had the better of her. I think that uh, Sabs had the better of Meg. It's just that Meg had two or three other players coming in from the side to help her. And that's that's sort of the reason why Stabs didn't have an um, outstanding game, but I still think she played really well. And for Caitlin as well, she's one of those that obviously has had experience at exhibition match level and, of course, uh, might be another chance of being picked up again. Yeah, uh, it, is, it is a genuinely strong player. And she's a, a youth girl that I said last year when she... Um, she won our best and fairest for uh, East Fremantle, and I said she's one of the best um, young players I've ever seen playing. And and she she hasn't changed the game. Um, I think that she's she's still playing along strong. I'm sure she'll get a look in for the next game, and um, if not in the future. Now, for you, you're getting ready to go across to the USA. How did this uh, trip all come about? Uh, I heard from a friend about USAFL and. And uh, you could go uh, get a look in and, and go over and sort of coach or, or mentor and play over there. And uh, this was back in December, I heard about it. And um, 
So I looked into it and I found Tony, who's the um, ambassador over here in Australia, who lives in Perth. So I, I met up with him and you sort of go through a process of, you know, making sure that I'm not fully can actually play football um, and, and sort of get to that level and, and be a good ambassador for the game over there in the States. So I went through a process over a couple of months and he asked me where I wanted to go and I said, oh, somewhere on the East Coast. And so uh, they, you know, uh, went through Andrea over there and um, they said to me, uh, Bolton or Boston, uh, Baltimore or Boston, and I said, um, oh, I'll go Boston, so... It was a long process, but uh, it's certainly going to be one that I'll never forget. And have they outlined the program to you of some of the things that, uh, obviously, A, you'll be learning as a person, but B, that you'll be teaching and passing on while you're over there in Boston? Not really. They, they give you pretty free reign to, to do what you want. I've sort of already uh, gotten in contact with most of the players and, and the leaders over there. Uh, I talk to them fairly often uh, about you know, getting excited about coming over and, and what drills and stuff to do um, now before I get over and, and what they want to achieve coming into the national championships in October. And basically, uh, my, my goal is to sort of scout a bit of talent and try and get some um, some girls playing uh, some good footy and, and try and get more and more people involved in AFL um, internationally. And, of course, uh, as we mentioned uh, already on the podcast uh, last year, the St. Albans Spurs from over in Victoria did a, a tour of the USA. We know Lauren Spark is a Victorian player at the moment over in uh, England as we speak, uh, just finishing up her stint with the uh, Wimbledon Hawkettes. Do you think there'll be a few following in your path going across, say, post-season for a couple of months over the coming years to help out in areas, again, like the USA, Canada, Ireland and the UK? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think with the Women's League um, up and running, uh, um, hopefully by 2017, if not by 2020, I think that the international um, stage is going to have to be something that grows as well. Um, I think that a lot of my friends that know that I'm going over and doing this who are you know, good footballers and high-achieving um, footballers have shown interest in going over as well. So I think that it's definitely going to be something that's going to help women's football and it's going to grow the game internationally. And I was about to say that. Do you think women's football is probably better place than men for it to grow internationally? Because obviously for the men's side of the game, it's been around for 150 years. So obviously the other countries have got a long way to catch up. Where on the women's game, really, it's only been taken seriously maybe for the last 20 or so years. So therefore, I guess for Canada and Ireland and the likes, they're not all that far behind in their development. Oh, absolutely. I think that the women's game um, in AFL is certainly probably the fastest growing sport uh, in Australia, obviously, but I think that with it becoming um, semi-professional and then eventually professional, I think that for women who want to be in a sport that, you know, you can make a living and you can um, you can have it as a career, I think will make uh, women internationally really drawn to the game. And uh, just before we let you go as well, as you get ready to head over to Boston uh, in late August, uh, you've set up a GoFundMe for your volunteering coaching role in the USA. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, recently I've had a few uh, medical issues that um, have forced me to uh, spend a fair bit of my savings that I've saved up for this trip um, away because obviously I'm going over uh, as a voluntary role. So I have to fund every aspect of that. So I just I set up a GoFundMe um, 
account just to try and raise a few funds to help with my expenses over there. Um, obviously, I don't expect anyone to put any money into it, but it would just be um, helpful sort of coming into the end of the three months that I'm over there to have a few dollars to um, to get down to the National uh, Carnival in, in October and um, watch and play down there. So it's just, just something that might help, help me in the long run um, and not sort of put me under too much stress. And we thank Jessica very much for her time. And if you would like to donate to uh, Jessica Wuchner to help with her volunteering coaching role over in the USA, uh, she's raising uh, funds via GoFundMe.com, that website address, GoFundMe.com. And uh, to find her, you just search volunteer coaching role in the USA or type in the full address, which is www.GoFundMe.com forward slash Y-A-J-E-4-C-C. That's Y-A-J-E-4-C-C at the GoFundMe.com website. And we hope that she can raise a few dollars there just to make life a little bit easier when she's over in uh, Boston helping coach some Aussie rules footy. Now let's go up north to Queensland and find out what's happening in the QWAFL. We'll catch up with the Red Lions coach. That's the University of Queensland and Michael Swan. Michael, thank you very much for joining us. And we should point out state footy this weekend as well for Queensland as they take on New South Wales ACT in Blacktown on Sunday. And there must be a few nervous girls. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the girls will be really looking forward to it. There's only been one state game so far this year. Uh, So I think... I don't have the exact numbers, but most of the squad is returning from that first game with a couple of other inclusions, so they should be uh, yeah, eager to go on Sunday afternoon. And how have the girls been training? The squad been coming along nicely? Yeah, yeah. Um, they only trained for, say, three or four weeks as a state group in the lead-up to the state game. Um, over the summer, they did a bit of work as an extended academy to then push into that state team, but uh, in the lead-up to the games themselves, they only get the three or four weeks training as a squad, but each of those sessions have been um, pretty good, yeah, high intensity, and uh, um, it's been great to be involved in that program and see the state's best talent. And I think as well, maybe a chance for the girls to make a statement because the last couple of years they've been playing uh, Tasmania and they've put Tasmania away comfortably over recent years. I guess a big win against New South Wales ACT would certainly argue the case for uh, either better quality competition in Victoria or WA. Yeah, for sure. The, with the National Women's League on the horizon, uh, I know that a lot of the girls themselves and AFL Queensland as a body really want to push into that top tier of women's football um, so I'm not sure whether it'll be next year or, or the year after but I'm, I'm sure they'll be looking to try to take on one of those big two in the, in the coming years but to get to that stage they're going to have to as you said make a bit of a statement uh, which they managed to do in their first game against Tasmania but I'm sure they'll be looking to do the same thing this Sunday. Let's focus on the uh, Queensland women's uh, AFL round uh, coming up. And for your University of Queensland Red Lions, uh, you've got an opportunity against an Eagles side that will be depleted with a couple of players missing and uh, hopefully a chance for you to pick up your third win of the year. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, we're looking at probably the next month of football as a really big opportunity to, to come home really strong. We've only managed to pick up a couple of year, wins so far over the year, um, given that there's our third year in the competition we know we're at a bit of a building stage uh, trying to close the gap to some of those top teams but realistically we don't think we're too far off so hopefully over the next month we can get a couple of wins on the board 
And for you as a coach, how do you keep that positive environment around the girls? Because it can be easy that when, when you're a new side in the competition and, and you're getting done by some of the better sides who've been around for years to, to drop heads, how do you keep that motivation up for them to keep pressing on and seeing the bigger picture? Brianna Cohen having a standout year. Yeah, yeah, she's been, uh, I don't know, the, the votes, and I wouldn't want to um, share them publicly, but I'm sure within the BNF she would probably have a fairly big uh, margin at the moment. She's had a fantastic start of the year. And what is it about Brianna as a player that makes her stand out? Um, she just very rarely gets beaten one-on-one or even when she's outnumbered. She doesn't have a huge amount of size uh, to her. Uh, she, she doesn't play the key position player or anything, but plays a lot taller than she actually is, pops up and grabs a lot of intercept marks, and then at ground level as well, uh, yeah, uh, very tough to, to beat her. Uh, so she runs through the, the midfield for us a fair bit, but uh, where possible we like to try to swing her behind the footy because she, she can be really damaging, grabbing some intercept marks and then setting up plays off half-back. As you said, you've got a fairly young side there at UQ. Uh, who do you see as the players coming through? Uh, look, we could really pick out anyone within our squad. I think some of our uh, elder statesmen are really not that old anyway. Uh, sort of sitting around the 25 age group would be more, uh, more older, experienced girls. Um, someone like Bree is probably one of our leaders and she's... 20 this year I believe uh, but I suppose for the future of our club we we had a pretty good retention for last year which has set us up to be a bit a fair bit more competitive this year but the really pleasing thing was seeing a couple of uh, first year uni students who either hadn't really played any footy before or might have played a little bit of school footy uh, come along and slot straight into that, that quaffle side and over the next few years I think that once they get their season or two under their belt they should really you know, rather than relying on a handful of three or four players, as we've tended to do so far, we should be able to really spread that talent around and then rely on a fair few more numbers there. Uh, Michael, how much does recruiting come into play in Queensland? And I compare it to, for example, uh, like uh, in the WA League, Perth and Frio are fairly close to each other. If you look in uh, at the, the Victorian competition in Melbourne, players can still live and train uh, being based in Ballarat or Geelong because it's only an hour or so's drive to Melbourne. Whereas in Queensland, you've obviously had some competitions up such as Mackay, Townsville, Cairns, and some of those girls do end up relocating for work or university to Brisbane. So how important is that to try and have those contacts and feelers out there together when these gun players in the north of the state are coming down to the southeast corner? Yeah, it's it's crucial. Um, early on, we sort of flagged that as probably our biggest handicap, uh, not really having anyone who'd been involved in state programs or representative footy before made it hard to pick up some of those players. We tended to find a lot of girls, either when they're coming from 
junior clubs that only had junior sides into senior footy or they were moving from up north or even from interstate. They tended to go gravitate towards the clubs where they already knew some girls were playing. Uh, so that's certainly been a big leg up for some of the clubs who have been up towards the top for a little while. I know that uh, Cooper just a couple of weeks ago picked up a South Australian state representative uh, who was moving up to Brisbane because she's friends with a few girls on that side. So it's great for both sides to have those links. Um, we've now managed to get ourselves in a bit of a uh, position where we might be able to attract some of those girls. Um, the links to the uni helps a little bit. I know that uh, Bree Conan joined us on a scholarship through the uni last year. Uh, so over time, hopefully, we'll be able to pick up a few of those naturally talented athletes or girls who have grown up playing footy and looking to come to Brisbane to study. Uh, it would be a natural fit for them to then have a run with us as well. And uh, I've also noticed as well uh, the Girls Play Footy 2 program that runs uh, throughout Queensland trying to encourage more female participation in football. Um, do, the, do the UQ side get involved in that? Yeah, where we can. Um, I know that we've got a reasonably strong focus on social media and, and online activity. I know quite a few of the clubs get on there and post their stuff and I've seen a few of the photos go up with the Girls Play 2 hashtag, which gets a bit of a following. I think that's more aimed at the really junior sort of girls, the girls who are, may have come through Oldskick programs or have played junior levels, but then once they start to get into youth footy, may look to, to disappear off and then not flow through into senior footy. Uh, by getting that link out there and, and just the awareness that hey, there are a lot of girls out there playing, it just gives them that confidence to stick with it and then hopefully we'll see that flow through into senior numbers in the years to come. And just in case there's anyone from the southern states looking to move up to uh, Queensland and, and play a bit of footy because it's a bit of warmer weather up there, if you had if you had a shopping list, if you were looking for a couple of key players or type of positions you'd like to fill, who, who would you hope would all of a sudden just walk through the front door? <laughs> um, I'm sure that teams everywhere will always say they're looking for a key forward, but uh, it's probably even more so for us at the moment. We've found that we've managed to be pretty competitive uh, on ground level or, or through the through the middle of the field. The back one's held up reasonably well, but our big problem this year has been putting points on the board. We, we go forward and then uh, break down just because we, at this stage, uh, have limited sort of options that we're kicking to up there. So uh, a key forward would probably be top of the shopping list. But, uh, you know, if, if girls want to get involved and play footy, whether or not they haven't played much before or they're looking to move from interstate, uh, I think the best thing is just getting involved. I know we had a couple of girls who uh, joined us from interstate this year who uh, spotted us online and, and thought, well, I'll go down and introduce myself and they spotted straight in. We had one come down from Darwin and another one who's been in the Canberra League for a little while. So um, the best way, yeah, is just to come down and introduce yourself and get involved and I'm sure that any club would be always welcoming those sorts of walk-ins and, and even though a key four would be top of our list, you know, there's uh, anyone who would want to get involved would always be welcome with open arms. And a big thank you again to Michael Swan for his time and a reminder that New South Wales ACT versus Queensland will be Sunday 19th of July 3pm at Blacktown International Sports Park. It's going to be streamed via YouTube as well and we'll make sure to post the link to that uh, vision on our Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash 
girls play footy. So keep an eye out there uh, Sunday afternoon for that link. Now let's go across to our next interview. The South Australian Women's Football League Under-18s Grand Final was last Friday between the Salisbury Magpies and the Morverville Park Roos. And in the end... It was the Magpies in overtime that got the grand final by 10 points, taking home the premiership flag. I've got on the line from the runners-up, Morpherville Park, their coach in uh, Angela Moritz. And uh, Angela, uh, did you have to go for the heart pills after what was an incredible game and an exciting finish? Most definitely. It's certainly one of the most exciting games I've been involved in myself. And I think probably for most of the people watching, it's one of the best games of footy they've been to in a long time. So... And just, Unfortunately, we went on the right end of it at the end of it, but um, yeah, that's pretty for you, really. Now, just before we touch on the details of the game, I guess it does showcase the quality of youth girls football at the moment in South Australia, backing off, of course, from that uh, Pool B championship win just a few months ago. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think if you have a look at the two teams, Salisbury and Morphy Parks, um, there was over a dozen girls within uh, that grand final that actually played in that Pool B game for the state under-18 team. So it certainly was a, a great showcase of the quality of um, youth footy in SA at the moment. Going to that Friday night at Adelaide Airport Stadium, what a tight first half, quarter time and half time, only two points separating the sides. Yeah, it was a bit of a see-through affair the whole, the whole way along, um, even three-quarter time. Um, I think it was only 11 points. It was very rough at three-quarter time, so it just really... Um, it was a tight, tight contest and um, the girls really gave it a They're all on both sides of the um, equation, really. So it was a great game of footy. And, um, yeah, as I said, unfortunately, we didn't end up over the line. Um, but, um, yeah, it certainly, certainly showcased the, um, the evenness of the two sides throughout the season. I'm interested what do you say as a coach because normally at three-quarter time of a grand final for, for either coach, it's the big final rev-up of this is it, season's on the line, final quarter, go for it. And then the siren sounds and scores a level and you've got to play extra time. How do you motivate? How do you go again? What do you use when you've got to ask them dig deep to play that extra time? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, we had to work out what actually happened when the siren blew and it was um, a level... Um Luckily, like St Kilda and Collingwood a couple of years ago, we didn't have to come back next week. But, um, yeah, so it was just a matter of letting the girls know what the what exactly was going to happen. Um, so we ended up playing five minutes each way um, and then obviously letting them know what would happen if that um, was still level after that time and just trying to rev them up and just to give that little bit extra. And uh, unfortunately, it was uh, the Salisbury Magpies that uh, got the points. They got it by uh, 10 points in the end, 9-15-69 to 8-11-59. Uh, first of all, before we have a look at the Morphy girls, uh, for you just watching on, uh, who impressed you from the Magpies? Uh, I think um, they've got a number of um, very good players in their sides and girls that are already playing senior footy. And um, two girls from their team, Shea Gunderlach and Demi Sonneman, uh, I actually played... Um, eight senior footy with against Darwin uh, back in um, June when we played. Um, so obviously, like, they've got a number of girls that are, are looking like they're going to be elite footballers if they continue on. So those two definitely um, impressed. Shay in the forward line um, and Demi across half-back um, really um, are two players that were hard for us to match up on. And for the Morphy girls, who do you think performed well in the night? Uh, I think Ebony Marinoff was definitely justified in um, winning the 
uh, one of one of the player of the match awards. Um, she's just been so good for us all season, and her attack on the ball is second to none. And really, she just she's a bit of a barometer for our team. Um, and then Tate Tate Mackle in that third in that third and last quarter really lifted and gave the girls a lot of a lot of um, energy around the around the ground. So those two for us definitely. But I think we had a number of standouts throughout the game. So. And what does the future look like for the Morphy girls? How many from the under-18s will be going up, obviously, to full-time senior football next year, and how many still have some more years at under-18 level? Yeah, well, like, uh, from my point of view, the, the future of Morphys is very bright. Um, I, don't, I don't remember a time when we've ever had as many youth girls out at training. So we've got the under-15s, the under-18s, and then our two, um, two Division One and two um senior teams and we've got probably from the 18 team um, the grand final team we've got at least probably five or six girls that have already played senior footy um, for us in both Div 1 and Div 2 so um, and there'll be a a couple more that will continue to probably push for selection throughout the year so um, we're really creating a really strong culture within the club and um, giving those youth girls a lot of opportunities and creating those pathways for them. And just before we let you go, um, at least at Division One level, uh, yourselves and West Adelaide uh, neck and neck at the moment as you get close to the final series. Yeah, definitely. I think um, they've been uh, us and Westies have had like, a great rivalry throughout probably the last three or four years, and it continues this year. Um, we certainly um, enjoy coming up against them, which I think we'll come up against them again in another couple of weeks, and it's always a really good test for us and. It's great to play against a team that um, displays as much um, quality and stuff as they do, um, and it's a really good challenge. And our girls are always really look forward to the, um, the contest. And we thank Ange very much for her time. And a special shout-out as well to all those clubs in the South Australian Women's Football League. We'd like to speak to more of you. So if you are available to chat, some are, but some are. If you are, please do uh, send us a message via our Facebook page because uh, we'd love to be able to promote your club and what you're doing to promote SA Women's Footy, as we do any uh, Women's Footy League around the country. Before I go, uh, I just need to remind you about the Victorian Women's Football League Premier Division Match of the Day being covered by Girls Play Footy Radio. We are doing it this Sunday from 1.30pm at the Peanut Farm in St Kilda. It is second versus first. The St Kilda Sharks versus the Darabin Falcons. One point separated them last time, so we're bound to be in for a cracking match this time around. Uh, Make sure to join myself, uh, Daniel Hill and Lisa Caddo from 1.30pm Sunday uh, via girlsplayfooty.com or if you've got the TuneIn app on your mobile phone, just search for Girls Play Footy so you can listen to the call on the go. That wraps up it for this week on the podcast but keep an eye on girlsplayfooty.com for our predictions on the women's draft throughout the week and for information on the women's draft when it will be streamed and when you can get all the details about who's being selected uh, throughout next week on girlsplayfooty.com I'm Peter Holden, until then it's bye for now